You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Is the UK on the road to disaster? Those who believe it is insist that it is mad to tackle a calamity caused by excessive borrowing with still more borrowing, this time by the government as borrower and lender of last resort. These criticisms are wrong and right. Wrong if the government remains creditworthy, right if it does not. So what did Monday's pre-budget report tell us about the government the UK now has? Should you trust it with your money or not? A creditworthy government can shift excess debt from the private sector onto the backs of taxpayers. An uncreditworthy government cannot. If the cost of debt becomes too high, the latter will be forced into default, either openly or via inflation. In the UK's case, inflation will be triggered by a flight from sterling. Even if the government initially finances its deficits by borrowing from the central bank, and so by printing money, the monetary expansion would need to be sterilised once the economy had recovered by selling bonds. To do that, the government must stay creditworthy. The horrific numbers for fiscal deficits contained in the pre-budget report might give pause. The government's net borrowing is now forecast at 8% of gross domestic product in fiscal year 2009-10, 6.8% in 2010-11, 5.3% in 2011-12, 4.1% in 2012-13, and 2.9% in 2013-14. Public sector net debt, supposed to remain below 40% of GDP, is forecast to reach 57% four years hence. If one paid attention to the requirements of the Maastricht Treaty, which laid the way for the Eurozone, the debt ratio would reach 68.6% of GDP in 2012-13, while the deficit supposed to be below 3%, is forecast to hit 8.1% next year and will be 3.3% in 2013-14. So how did the public sector's net borrowing jump from 2.6% last financial year to 8% next year? Why has the forecast deficit for next year jumped by £80 billion, 5.4% of GDP, since the budget delivered only last March? And why not least should anyone believe the Treasury now? Part of the explanation, but only a part, is the decision to apply a temporary fiscal boost of £16.5 billion, or 1.1% of GDP, next year. But this counts for only a fifth of the slippage. The rest is due to what is called revisions and forecasting changes. Virtually all of this, five percentage points, is, argues the Treasury, due to deterioration in the cyclically adjusted or structural borrowing requirement now forecast to reach 7.2% of GDP next financial year. In short, the Treasury is telling the world that the view of the structural fiscal position of the UK it held only last March was nonsense. What has changed so drastically? As a share of a smaller GDP, current receipts are now forecast to be three percentage points lower in 2009-10. Current spending 
1.9 percentage points higher and investment 0.6 percentage points higher than forecast in the budget. These changes are overwhelmingly due to revisions in the fiscal capacity and level of GDP. A permanent reduction in taxes on financial sector profits and housing transactions and, more strikingly, a lasting loss of GDP. In 2010, the economy is now expected to be some 5.5% smaller than was forecast in the budget. Worse, this loss is not going to be made up in the near future. In 2015, GDP might still be 4.5% smaller than was hoped last March. What implications do these drastic revisions have? First, the Treasury's view that the last cycle ended in 2006 seems quite ridiculous. The correct view is that the UK has been caught in an unsustainable supercycle with a once-in-a-lifetime bubble in global finance and domestic housing. It is only now in the downswing. The cyclically adjusted fiscal deficit, properly measured, was far larger than the Treasury believed for at least a decade. So fiscal policy should have been much tighter. If it had been, the UK would be in far better shape today. Second, the UK simply cannot afford the spending it once hoped for. The government does recognise this, up to a point. Current spending is forecast to grow at only 1.2% in real terms from 2011-12, and net investment to fall by 0.9% of GDP. As a result, spending is forecast to fall from 44.2% of GDP next year to 41.5% in 2013-14. Even so, tax shares must also rise. The PBR forecasts a rise of 2.4 percentage points between 2009-10 and 2013-14. Misery lies ahead for years. Third, even so, the Treasury surely remains too optimistic. Despite the scale of the shock to the world economy and the financial system, it assumes an annual peak-to-trough decline in GDP of a mere 1%. An economic recovery in the second half of next year and then a return to trend growth at 2 and 3 quarter percent a year, despite the need to shift output into capital-intensive, export-oriented manufacturers. This is simply implausible. Finally, assume instead that GDP shrinks by 2% in 2010 and 2011 before expanding by 1.75% in 2012. It would then be 11% lower in 2012 than was forecast in the budget. The fiscal accounts would then be drowning in red ink. Everything depends on avoiding a deep and prolonged recession. In that event markets might well reject the explosive increase in government debt. Letting bank lending stay frozen is not an option. The government surely knows that. Do the bankers. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.